You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe who helps people who feel far from God to know Jesus, cultivate freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We're also a diverse tribe who welcomes everyone from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every age, race, and walk of life. So whether you're a longtime Christ follower or a spiritual investigator, we hope you're encouraged through our content. Enjoy today's teaching. Well, it's good to be worshiping with you guys here in the Cameo, as well as those of you that are worshiping online. And in case you're new, we're in the midst of this series or this season of time we call 21 Days of Prayer. Every year, in case you're new, we do this 21 days where we fast from different things in order to kind of do a bit of a spiritual reset. And there are some handouts laying around that perhaps you got one last week or you saw one today where it's kind of a schedule of what's been going on. And so you'll see from the schedule that the fasting part of it actually started last Sunday after church, and then the fasting ends on the 30th of January after the services. And you can see all the many different 21 days of prayer events going on, like Awaken services on Tuesday and the like. And uh, one of the things that we we had people ask us to do is review the different fasts that you talked about last week, because some people forgot. So if you need to take a picture of these fasts that I'm gonna show you on screen, some people are doing the food fast where they just don't eat anything during the time and just drink water. Of course, ask your physician and talk to your uh, medical professional about that. Then there's number two, the Daniel fast, where you only eat fruits and vegetables. You drink juices like those awesome juices down the street at Southwest Elixirs, I love those. And then there's number three, the partial fast, where you avoid like certain kinds of foods, you know, like you might avoid coffee or meat or chocolate or something uh, that you crave a lot. Don't, don't fast from broccoli, okay? Just fast for something you really like. And a partial fast might also include like certain days of the week. You know, some people might only fast on Tuesdays or Thursdays, whatever works for you. And then there's number four that a lot of people will tack onto other fasts is called the social media fast or the media fast where you avoid social media, TV, Netflix, stuff like that. That helps you in your thinking. And then number five is not real popular, but that's the, the sex fast, you know? Make sure that you have agreement with your wife or your husband on that one before you before you tackle that one. And then number six is the talking fast where you stay silent, okay? And you probably have someone at work or school that you wish would do number six, the talking fast, and just, uh, just shut up, dude, okay? So uh, anyways, wh- while you're hungering or you crave this, the social media or the, that different food or whatever you're fasting from, what you wanna do when you feel that craving is you wanna pray. That's your reminder to pray. And don't just pray about your personal issues that you're certainly gonna pray for during these 21 days, but pray for the lost. We're all kind of focusing our prayers to pray for those that are lost among us here in our city and around the world. And when you came in, you perhaps saw the other little handout. It's called You're Invited, or on the other side it says, You Came to Mind. And the idea here is that we're just praying and we listen to God and God brings someone to mind that is lost that we're gonna invite to church or that we're gonna just reach out to them and say, how can I pray for you uh, and serve them in some way, right? So as I was thinking about the Bible story that we're gonna be breaking down and studying and unpacking today, I couldn't help but think about my wife. Now, those of you that know my wife know that I have a pretty awesome wife, man. She's very awesome and she's very diligent. She's very competent. She pastors a lot of people around here through the ministries that she's in charge of. And she's very detail-oriented, unlike me. So she has all these great qualities. She's a beautiful woman. However, my wife is a key loser, okay? And she's a phone loser. So we don't hardly go a couple of days where Jeannie's saying to me, Doug, call my phone. 
call my phone. I can't find my phone. You got to call my phone, okay? And then sometimes she'll walk into my home office and she'll say, "Uh, Doug, I can't go anywhere. I can't find my keys. You got to help me find my keys. And I have to drop everything and help her find her keys and look all over the house to find her keys. I even bought her one of those tile devices, you know, where it helps you find your keys, not not lose your keys. And it doesn't help, okay? She still loses her keys. She's a beautiful woman, competent woman, but she's a key loser and a, a, a phone loser. And I always tease her about it, right? You know, playfully tease her about it. I have permission to tease her about it in church today so I don't get in trouble, right? So uh, it's like, but because I tease her so much, uh, I was really embarrassed over our vacation recently where I lost something. And that was bad because I always am giving it to her for losing stuff in there. So now I'd lost something. Here's what happened. We were out of state. We're staying with my parents uh, on a vacation in another state. And my daughter and I went out to these little shops and stores, you know, that she likes to go to. She likes going to thrift stores and stuff like that. So we're looking around at these different shops and stores and stuff. And I get to the counter and I'm going to pay for my daughter's little ironic, quirky thrift store outfit, right? And when I'm pulling out my credit card, it's missing. My credit card's gone. And you know what your mind does when your credit card's missing, right? You're thinking, okay, someone's stolen my credit card and they're probably charging, they're maxing out my credit card right now and they probably got my information on there and they've stolen my identity and they've taken over my bank account. They've taken over my identity right now. They're ruining me financially as I'm sitting here thinking about it right now, you know? And to make matters worse, okay, it's not, that wouldn't be so bad as me having to tell my wife Jeannie about the whole thing, right? And I did what any red-blooded American man would do. I didn't tell her. I didn't tell her a word. Right? I, didn't want to say anything. I was going to get my goal in life to find that credit card. So you know what you do. You retrace your steps, right? You, where was I last? Where, where did we go last? So I found where we went last. We had gone to this gift shop that was along historic Route 66 in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the name of the gift shop was Decapolis, fabulous store. And I found it on my phone where we'd been, and I called him. And many props to a guy named William Franklin. Because William Franklin answers the phone. Not only did he have my credit card, but he had used the information on my card to Facebook message me. He found me on Facebook and messaged me and let me know that I had left my card there on a Facebook message and that they had my card safely behind the counter protecting it for me. So it's like, thank you, Lord, okay? And I just played it off with my wife like it was no big deal, right? So uh, it, it, it was a great relief. So could I see a raise of hands? How many of you like me have ever lost a wallet, a purse, a credit card, anything like that? Yeah, all of us. So all of us can relate to the lady in the story that we're going to study today from Luke chapter 15. We're going to start out in verses 1 and 2. If you're a Bible follower along or if you like opening your Bible or doing it in your phone app, we'll be in Luke 15 the whole time. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, you know, saying, this man receives sinners and he even eats with them, which was not cool in their day. And now, Jesus is going to tell a story about a lost sheep, which we studied last week. Go back and listen to the podcast or watch it. And fast forward down to verse 8 where it says, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
And so remember the context of this story of a woman with a lost coin. It is Jesus addressing scribes and Pharisees, these religious guys who were very judgmental towards irreligious people. And they didn't see any value in irreligious people, but Jesus is kind of confronting them there because not only does Jesus eat with them, but he seeks out lost people. And today, if you're a note taker, I'm going to show you four things that Jesus always does when he seeks the lost. And the first one may seem kind of odd, but it's here. And it's that the protagonist in the story or the hero in the story is a woman. Number one, Jesus empowers women. That's what he does. He does this all throughout the Bible, and we're going to see it today. And so why don't you turn to a woman near you and say, you're empowered, sister girl. Take it. Yeah, you're, you're empowered, sister girl. So it, it's not a long conversation. It's just real quick. You're empowered, sister girl. Okay, but what happens here is that everywhere you see the lost being found, you will see women being empowered. I shudder to think what would happen if we didn't have all the many women leaders and people, women who serve around this church. This church would not happen. I'm just telling you that right now. And some of you know that in Jesus' day, women didn't have equal rights at all. They weren't even trying. I mean, we're trying in our society, and we still have a ways to go. But in Jesus' society, they weren't even trying at all. In this parable, Jesus is kind of confronting these religious misogynistic guys, uh, and he compares them to a woman who's looking for a coin here, and that would have been insulting to them. It would have been kind of like on that movie, The Sandlot, where that kid says, you play ball like a girl, right? Remember that? And so Jesus is kind of uh, goading at them because he's living in a culture where one of the rabbis, his name was Ben Surat, said these words. He said, the birth of a daughter is a loss. Can you imagine someone saying that? The birth of a daughter is a loss. There were other rabbis that would say, they would pray these prayers, thank God I'm, I wasn't born a woman. So that is the environment that Jesus is speaking into. But what Jesus is doing, he's comparing them to women, which would, would insult them. But at the same time, he's lifting up and empowering women as a part of his movement. He even had women disciples, what was revolutionary in his day. And you know how when we write or when we speak, we'll say him and her, he and she, we always include both. Most of us should, because we're trying to include the female perspective, which is so important, right? Well, ancient writers didn't do that. But when you go through the New Testament, you would see Jesus doing it all the time, or you would see his disciples who recorded these things for us today. So like the angel speaks to Zechariah, and most writers would have left out the rest. But the gospel writers say the angel appeared to Zechariah and to Mary in Luke chapter one. And then you go to Luke chapter two and you'd see Simeon and Anna, the woman, received Jesus into the temple. On his way to the cross, you would see him mention a man, Simon, and then and the women who were grieving his loss, you see? So Jesus is always one that is empowering women here. And the woman who's the hero in the story here, she's missing a coin. And just like the story that we studied last Sunday, the lost sheep, the coin represents a person, people that are lost. And 
how do people get lost? As you, as you thought, why is it, how is it that people get lost? Well, there are a lot of different reasons for that. Perhaps someone's never heard about Jesus and they've been lost, but a lot of people get lost when their gaze or their focus is on something besides Jesus, you see? It's when we focus or gaze on something besides Jesus that we veer off the road. In fact, some people call it target fixation. Have you heard of this, target fixation? And that is the idea. They study drivers of motorcycles and cars who look at something like they're interested in something as they're driving or riding along, and they look at something at the side, and target fixation is this uh, sensation or phenomenon where people will veer towards the object that they're looking at, and sometimes they'll even crash into it, right? So you veer off the road. You ever, you ever tell someone, get off your phone, because you're, you know, you're going to crash. They, they look at a landmarker, and they say, quit looking at that landmarker over there, uh, because you, you tend to veer towards those things. And I think there's a, such a thing as spiritual target fixation is that what we constantly put our gaze on or our focus on in life, we veer away from Jesus toward that given thing. And a lot of people in our society and our culture have target fixation with success. There's nothing wrong with success. But a lot of people see success as the goal. Actually, success should be a byproduct or the fruit of something else. But a lot of people focus on success and it doesn't work. It doesn't fill them. Like Jim Carrey, the actor, you know, after he'd done the movies, Dumb and Dumber, One and Two, he um, certainly great movies. And then also Ace Ventura movies. And after all this success, he said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed so they would see it's not the answer. We see this also in Hugh Jackman's character, The Greatest Showman. Did anybody see that movie besides me? You know, it's like Wolverine singing, okay? But what he said was, all the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky, we will never be enough, never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll never be enough, never be enough. And even though my success and your success is never enough to fill our souls Jesus still lights up dark places looking for us. That's number two. Jesus lights up dark places looking for you. In the little story of the woman searching for her coin, she lights up a small oil lamp to look for the missing coin that's somewhere in her house. She lights just a small light there. And this is what we're trying to encourage you to do is to let your light shine to others, even though it may feel small. That's why we give you these little handouts. You came to mind and you're invited is because we want you to reach out to one person who's lost because the truth is, is that all of us who have come to Jesus, there was someone who shined the light, showed us the way. If it's just someone who invited you to church or maybe a parent that had you in church or a relative or someone that prayed for you and invested in, in you relationally, that was someone letting their light shine. If you heard that little children's song, this little light of mine, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let shine. Well, it's a powerful little song because it's true. No amount of darkness can put out even just a small little light. And on Tuesday night at our Awaken service, worship service here in Cameo, we had a candlelight service. 
And I, it was so powerful. The worship was so powerful. And you could just sense the Lord and presence of the Holy Spirit in the air. And I asked the group if I could just take a picture of him. And here's the picture that I brought in the picture. You can see each individual light represents a person that's worshiping God and that's taking their little light out to let it shine. And, you know, a little light is all you need sometimes, right? When you're getting up in the middle of the night and you have to use the restroom and that one little night light shines the way it keeps you from stepping on a Lego or if you have pets, something worse, you know, but it's like that one little light saves you. And we want you and we want to be those little lights that are shining, saving people, showing people the way. But you know what I think sometimes? And I don't know if you think like this, but maybe it's by self, bad self-talk or could be the enemy. I don't know what. But sometimes I think, you know, your light is just not bright enough. You've not done enough. I mean, this year, your church is just this little place in this little theater downtown. You know, it's not a big deal. And you're just not doing enough. And I see all these other ministries do these awesome, big, you know, massive things. And I look at mine and I think, oh, you're just not doing it. You're, you're not enough of a light. Do you ever feel that from time to time? Well, I was watching, believe it or not, The Hobbit, and I got some encouragement on this when Gandalf is asked why he was willing to work with an unlikely hero like Bilbo Baggins, you know, just a short little hobbit that didn't have any special powers at all. And here's what Gandalf said. He said, Saruman believes it's only great power that can hold evil in check, but that is not what I have found. It is the small, everyday deeds of ordinary folk that keep the darkness at bay, small acts of kindness and love. Isn't that what it's all about? And I think Mother Teresa said it well. She said, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. And even if we can't do the bigger things that we see other people do, perhaps we will someday, but for now, we can let our little light shine to show someone else the way. So keep your little light shining. And here's why, because there's someone right now that's where you were. Did you hear that? There's someone right now who is now where you were, because I look across this room and I know some of you, excuse me, have experienced loss, depression, anxiety, and addiction. And there's someone that needs your little story, your little light to shine on them, to show them the way, to help them. Now, look at what happens next in the story. Is that Jesus cleans dirty places looking for you? That's number three. Jesus cleans dirty places looking for you. The story says that the woman sweeps the house looking for the lost coin. Now, sometimes I vacuum our house, and then I have to vacuum, empty the vacuum cleaner, and it's all kind of dirt inside and dust and hair and all this, you know, cat fur, you know, all this kind of stuff around my house, right? Well, that's where that coin has been. The coin got pretty dirty. Have you ever dirtied yourself by being lost? Your own choices dirtied you. Maybe for some, you felt dirtied by the choices of other people. You stand in that shower for a long time. You stand in the shower just hoping, wishing that that water would wash the dirt off of your soul. But it doesn't. And that's why we want to help. That's why we have the ministry called Cultivate here at the church. 
it's a group of leaders who are not only trained and skilled, but passionate about reaching into the dirt of other people's souls to harvest healing there. Because there is healing to be had if you're willing to do the hard work of cultivating healing in your life. And if you don't like a challenge, cultivate is probably not for you. But these leaders are experts at reaching down into that muck of the past and sometimes the present to help you find healing from that pain in the past and lead you towards your purpose that oftentimes comes out of your pain. And some of you have heard us talk about cultivate for a long time and you put it off for a long time. And you know what? You think one of these days I'm going to do it. One of these days I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm going to go through that cultivate thing. But I'll tell you this, one of these days is none of these days unless you pick a day. And today perhaps is that day for some of you. It's time to make a bold and courageous step to go out to that table before you leave today and just at least go to the orientation and see what it takes to make it through that. But these cultivate tribe leaders, they've learned something. They've learned a secret in life that the more they reach into the dirt to help others, the more they become like Jesus, the more they become like our God, who has certainly never been afraid to put his hands in the dirt. We see it all throughout the scriptures. When God created humankind, he reached into the dirt and shaped and molded Adam. Then if you go forward in the Old Testament of the Bible, you would see Jeremiah compares God to a potter that reaches his hands down in the dirt into the clay and shapes a cup out of that clay, a vessel that's useful for something. And then all the way into the New Testament, you would say Jesus, you'd see Jesus ministering to a woman who had been caught red-handed in adultery and people were ready to throw stones at her. And he again reaches down in the dust, the dirt, and he starts writing in the dirt. And the more we get our hands dirty, sometimes with our own souls, but certainly in the lives of others, the more we become like him. And chances are there are some today that have that feeling of being the lost coin, you know? You feel like you've been drugged through the dirt at times, and that's why I think it's really important that you receive this from me today, and that's number four, is that Jesus values you. Jesus values you. Would you turn to someone next to you and tell them Jesus values you and don't you forget it, Jack? Good, good. See, the, the woman, she was looking for this coin. And by the way, just because the coin was lost and in the dust, did it lose its value? No. You clean that coin right off and spend it, couldn't you? And that's like us. Even when we've been in the dust and the dirt, we can be cleaned off. We're still a value. God has great value in you. And the particular kind of silver coin that this woman was missing was called a drachma. I brought a picture of an ancient drachma today. And I did some reading about the drachma in this particular situation, in this particular story. And the, the drachma was perhaps worth at least a day's wages, probably more according to inflation of that day. And this woman had 10 of these drachma coins. Now, one historian and commentator felt like that her 10 drachma that she kept could have been strung together like on a necklace or a bracelet, making up what's called her dowry. A dowry, you know what that is? 
It's the bride price. It's what her husband and her husband's family would have paid for her so that she could be the wife of this man. And so wrapped up in this coin, it's not just any coin where she can get another one, but it could be a coin that represents like her wedding ring or her engagement ring. It reveals her value as a human being. And so she is searching intently for this coin. It's not just any coin. And I want you to understand you're not just any coin. You're something special that has value in God's eyes. And, you know, remember where our story started today. We started the story reading from Luke 15, where Jesus was confronting these religious guys. And he was explaining to them how he, like, not only spends time with irreligious people, but he eats with them and he seeks them out like a lost sheep, like a lost coin in the story today. And so this past week, I saw this little story, this video of this story of a bartender that inspired me towards searching out those that feel far from God. Take a look at the story. Generally speaking, bars are not bastions of grace and kindness. But here at Jimmy's in Wrightsville Beach, North Carolina, owner Jimmy Galise believes there's a lot more to serving customers than a good pour. I mean, just wait till you hear what he did for one patron, a total stranger who lost her wallet here last month with her wedding ring inside. And she was frantic, um, really upset about it. So it just became my mission. His mission to find her ring began with a thorough screening of the security footage. He had to watch three hours before finally finding her wallet on a bench outside the bar, the one at the far left, with the shady character approaching. Eventually, Jimmy figured out who that was and got him to confess to taking the cash and dumping the wallet in this ocean channel. It was long gone. But you still won't let this go. After I invested all that time, I'm going to find the ring. So I hired divers to come out the next day. You hired divers? <laughs> yeah, divers. Two divers who scoured the seabed and eventually surfaced with a soggy wallet and an irreplaceable treasure. Jimmy went so far beyond what most of us would do for a stranger. And yet, even after solving the mystery, he still felt the need to do more. Not for the woman who lost the wallet, but for the thief who took it. He was living in the woods, and this was when it was 30 degrees outside. He hadn't eaten in two days. I could tell he wasn't a criminal. He's just somebody needed a little help. 17-year-old Rivers Prather is estranged from his mother. He's been trying to make it on his own, but was homeless the day he stumbled into Jimmy's life. I couldn't have been luckier. Most other people would have just, you know, gave the footage to police, and he chose to help me. He's made me part of his family. Literally part of his family. Rivers is now staying in Jimmy's house with Jimmy's fiance and kids. He's got two jobs and a bright future. <laughs> How do you say thank you to a guy like that? I mean, I say thank you to him every day. I'd do anything for him. When that wallet got stolen by a homeless kid, Jimmy Galise could have called on police, courts, or social services. But instead, he called on the best problem solver of all, the compassion within. Isn't that a good story? That's good. 
You know, I think that bartender may be more like Jesus than a lot of pastors. He was willing to call divers to find that missing purse, right? But what was the treasure in the story? Was the treasure in the story really the missing ring? No. It was that kid. It was a kid that returned, that was brought into a loving home. And that is what God does for you and I. He's willing to call out the divers if need be to find us because we are his true treasures. And that is why the story ends in this way where it says, and when she had found it, she called together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I found the coin that I'd lost just so. I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And my hope is that we'll be a church that makes heaven party like this story. You know, some of us feel the weight of our pasts in when we were lost. You know, we've been lost coins. Some of us are lost coins right now. And I think it would be appropriate to just spend a time in silence and as Americans, we're not used to silence. We don't like dead air. We like someone filling the time. And so if the silence is awkward for you, I want to ask you to just lean into it just for a minute. But we're going to be silent for a bit. And as we're quiet, you're going to see some verses from Scripture on screen. And as you watch these verses, watch for one that is uniquely highlighted for you. Maybe there'll be a phrase or a word in one of these verses that's uniquely highlighted for you. Just like, you know what I mean by highlighted? It like sticks out to you. If you were reading it in a book, you would take your yellow highlighter and highlight it or underline it. And so let's be still and listen for God today.
God, we thank you that your heart is to seek us out even when we've dirtied ourselves and you shine, you send someone into our lives, like shine a little light to show us the path, the way back. We're grateful that today lost coins are being found. <laughs> Those that have been, that knew you but strayed away and others that have never known you, they're coming to you, Jesus embracing the cross and we thank you for all that you're doing among us in this church you're so over the top kind we can't thank you enough and we pray these things in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit everyone said amen amen will you guys take a load off just for a minute and as we wrap up today next sunday we're going to keep looking for lost things and we're going to see the lost son so if you keep reading in luke 15, you'll see this progression of lost sheep, then coins, and then these two lost sons that we'll study next Sunday. Now, one of the things I want you to know, some of you have been around City Tribe for a long time. and never officially joined up with the church or the tribe or whatever. But if you want to do that, we have our version of like a new members or tribal orientation happening right next door during the next service times. So you go right next door into the cafe. It's a, a brief class, like 45 minutes or so to learn how you join up and what it means to be a part of City Tribe Church. So some of you have put that off for a while. Go by there next door. They probably have a ton of food over there. So if you're hungry, it's good. get a little snack and learn about joining the tribe. And one of the ways we worship that we talk about from time to time is our financial stewardship, right? But we don't want to make a big deal out of it, especially if you're new to church or whatever, because the church, you know, is not just after your money, that's for sure. But one of the things that we do, in addition to tithing, we say, God, we don't want you to be limited by the tithe, but we say, God, what do you want me to give? And then you just do what he says. And there are one of four ways to get that done here at this church, since we don't pass buckets or plates. You can do it by mail. You can text a tithe. You can in person go to the giving stations located near the exits, or you can go online to citytribe.church slash tithe. And so before you guys worship through your stewardship and generosity, let's stand up together, put a hand out in the position to receive. And let me speak a word of benediction over you guys, dear brothers and sisters, as you walk from this place, may you walk from here, letting your little light shine, knowing that someone shined the light for you and he found you sometimes in that dirty place. So go from here and get personal with someone that needs the story that only you can bring. You guys have an amazing Sunday and may God bless his Dallas Cowboys today. Thank you. See you guys later. We're glad you were a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check the City Tribe YouTube channel, iTunes, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, or our website, citytribe.church. May you go from this podcast knowing that you are loved.